Hello and welcome back to the West Bank Bible Church Podcast. Today we're going to be looking at the book of the Revelation, The Apocalypse Unveiled. I'm here with Pastor Merritt, and before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. To publish our class notes of our teachings on the book of the Revelation is indeed voluminous and thus off-putting. Nevertheless, we are in the process of doing just that. Uh, As you well know, we have uh, approached this teaching with some trepidation. But nonetheless, we're relying upon God the Holy Spirit to uh, provide the teaching and we will provide the presentation. So we'll pause for a moment and uh, use 1 John 1, 9 as may or may not be necessary. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to uh, teach the apocalypse uh, We're going to start with an introduction and hopefully continue throughout the entire book. We do need to keep in mind the book of the Revelation is the only book of the Bible that declares a special blessing for the reader and the teacher. In this case, the teachers, plural. The reason is clear. It describes the ultimate defeat of Satan. All right, let's take a look at the outline. The book of the Revelation has nine major chapters. They do not coincide with the chapters in the English Bible. There are nine major thoughts in the book. Let's get these thoughts in outline form. The first is the most important. Jesus Christ is the key to history and prophecy. This is the central theme of Revelation chapter 1. So that would be our point one in our outline. 1.1, the introduction to the apocalypse can be found in verses 1 through 8. 1.2, the occasion of the apocalypse can be found in verses 9 through 11. The person of the apocalypse is described in verses 12 through 20. Now interlaced in the book are several historical trends to be experienced by the church, that is the church on earth during the church age, Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Then we go through a series of descriptions of the church's found in chapters 2 and 3. For example, we have a description of the church at Ephesus in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, a description of Smyrna in chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, the church at Pergamon, chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, the church of Thyatira, chapters 2 through 18, through 
29, the church at Sardis, which happens to be us today, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Then we have the unusual church at Philadelphia because it does uh, uh, describe an event taking place at one point in time and that the very important event of the the rapture of the church when the Lord himself shall descend from the heavens with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together to meet them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that is the church at Philadelphia. And then we Excuse me. And then we have the church at Laodicea, which is the church of the tribulation. And then in chapters 4 and 5, we have a description of events taking place in heaven. And uh, then we have the tribulation and the second advent with emphasis on Revelation chapters 6 through 11. All right, the tribulation and second advent with emphasis on the characters can be found and we shall teach of the characters in Revelation chapter 12 through 19, some of which we have covered already. And then the eternal state of the church can be found in Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 8. The eternal Jerusalem is described in the events occurring therein in Revelation 21, verses 9 through 22, verse 5. And then we have the termination of the canon and its description in Revelation 22, verses 6 through 21. So now, I think it appropriate that we take a look at the chapter 1 of the book of the Revelation. And I don't think there's anyone that can do that better than David Lee Hammond. So here you go, Dr. Hammond. Thank you, Pastor Merritt. The chapter deals with the introduction, occasion, and person of the apocalypse. Chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. This is what God showed to Jesus Christ so that he could tell his servants what must happen soon. Christ then sent an angel with the message to his servant John. John related that which he heard from the angel of God. God will bless everyone who teaches this book, and he will bless everyone who listens and concentrates on that teaching, as Pastor Merritt alluded to earlier. When the prophetic events begin, they will come in rapid-fire order. I... John, have been ordered to provide a message to the seven churches in Asia. I pray that you will be blessed with kindness and peace from God. Who is and was and is coming, may you receive kindness and peace from the perfect sevenfold essence of God, the Holy Spirit who stands always before the throne of God. May kindness and peace be yours from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Jesus was the Holy Spirit who stands always before the throne of God. May kindness and peace be yours from Jesus Christ, 
the faithful witness. Jesus was the first to conquer death, and he is the ruler of all earthly kings. Christ loves us, and by his spiritual death on the cross, he set us free from the penalty of sin. We will rule with him as kings and serve God the Father as priest. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Everyone will see him, even the ones who stuck a sword through him. All people on earth will weep because of him. Yes, it will happen. Amen. The Lord God says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the one who is and was and is coming. I am the sovereign and omnipotent God. I, John, am a follower of Christ just like you. We suffer because Jesus is our king, but he gives us the strength to endure. I was exiled to the island of Patmos because I preached God's message and was a faithful witness of Jesus. On the Lord's day, the Spirit took control of me. He stood before me and behind me, and I heard a loud voice that sounded like a trumpet. The voice said, Write in a book what you see. Then send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. There amidst amidst the lampstands was someone who seemed to be the son of a man. He was wearing a robe and reached down to his feet, and a gold cloth was draped or wrapped around his chest. He was attired as a priest. His head and hair were white as wool or snow, and his eyes looked like flames of fire. His feet were glowing like bronze, which had been heated in a furnace, and his voice sounded like the roar of a waterfall. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp double-edged sword was in his mouth. His face was shining as bright as the sun at noon. It was no doubt the resurrected Christ. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead person. But he put his hand right on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, but now I am alive forevermore. I have the keys to death and the world of the dead. Three things I want you to write about. One, what you now see. Two, what will be in the future for the universal church. And then, three, what will happen after the universal church has been translated to heaven at the rapture. I will explain the mystery of the seven stars that you saw and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the pastors of the seven churches and the lampstands of the seven churches listed in chapter 2 and 3. All right, Pastor Mary, chapter 2. Okay, David, thank you. In chapters 2 and 3, we find a message not only to seven extant churches located in Asia Minor, but uh, interlaced in these chapters are several historical trends to be experienced by the universal church during the church age. For more of the church age, you can go to westbankbiblechurch.com and see the doctrine of the church age. And of course, the John we're talking about here is the John who wrote the Gospel of John, and uh, he's uh, one who is described 
and told in chapter 1 to uh, write a description of what he sees. So he's got an interesting but compelling job. And ours is just as compelling to provide it to you. And keep in mind uh, that one teaching is going to be blessed and one receiving the teaching is going to be blessed. And now we're ready to move from chapter 1 to the book of the Revelation, chapter 2. In chapters 2 and 3, we find a message not only to seven extant churches located in Asia Minor, but interlaced in these chapters are several historical trends to be experienced by the universal church during the church age. All right, let's begin with the church at Ephesus. The universal church, as we saw in chapter 2, from 32 to 100 A.D. A very effective church and uh, a positive church and one described positively by John. All right, let's look at uh, Revelation 2, 1 and read through verse 7, our expanded translation. To the pastor of the church in Ephesus, John is told to write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. These are men you have tested, those who claim to be apostles but are not, and found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I do hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you uh, remember. Remember, for example, the height from which you have fallen. Repent, which means to change your mind. Uh, let's Let's review what you did at first. Now, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the followers of the Nicolaitans with their heterodoxy. Actually, the Nicolaitans were established by Nicolaus. And uh, Nicholas was teaching heterodoxy and high art, hierarchical distinctions, which, by the way, I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, and uh, you can overcome by faith alone in Christ alone and being positive to God's teaching. I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. 
Now we're going to go to chapter 2 in our study of the Apocalypse. All right, and we're going to start with Ephesus. Give us a few specifics about the church itself. Now remember, it's a 32 to 100 A.D., which means it's Christ was actually beginning his ministry. And uh, he started at, uh, again, the year 32 A.D., and we'll begin with the church and its work at Ephesus. All right, here we go. The Revelation book thereof, chapter 2, Ephesus. And the universal church from 32 to 100 A.D. Verse 1 of chapter 2. To the pastor of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men and that you have tested those who claim to be the apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And the universal church, from 100 to 300 A.D., to the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for a short time. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be heard at all by the second death. Now for Pergamon and the Universal Church from 300 to 800 A.D. To the pastor of the church in Pergamon write, These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, 
even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by uh, committing sexual immorality. By the way, David Lee Hammond taught this uh, earlier, and you can find it uh, in an uh, early podcast. I think he's got a total of 38 lessons on the on, on that particular subject, that is to say, the various early churches, beginning with Genesis, I would recommend highly that you take a look at those. And they, of course, are part of our, our podcast. So likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans, certain authorities who sanctioned licentious conduct. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will come to you and will fight against them, and with the sword of my mouth I shall fight. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. And then we have the church at Thyatira. And the universe that's the universal church from 800 to 1517. 1517 usually accepted as the beginning of the Reformation. So the Universal Church from 800 to 1517, words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. What does he say to them? I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who represents the church at Rome and calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will, 
to the end of time, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, and here we go with chapter 3, Sardis. And the universal church from 1517 to 2006. Verse 1. To the pastor of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. David, this is interesting to me, especially because this describes the church today. Sardis. Philadelphia and the church at the moment of the rapture. And hopefully Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Verse 7. To the pastor of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who determines who are his at the rapture. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed you before an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Laodicea and the world church in the tribulation. To the pastor of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. 
I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke with discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I have overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, let's continue with chapter 4, Pastor Merrick. Ready. Book of the Revelation, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 11 as far as the, our, our information about this particular church uh, message found in chapter 4. So after the warning announced to the church at Laodicea, which again you remember, as David taught, I looked and seriously pondered what I saw. A door in the third heaven was opened and purposefully left open, apparently, so I could hear and see what was transpiring inside. And then I heard a voice. At first it sounded like a trumpet. The sound broke what was formerly a veil of silence. And then I was engaged in a conversation with the eerie-sounding trumpet. Come up here at once and I will show you the things which must take place after the church age. Immediately I found myself under the absolute control of the Holy Spirit. I was commanded to consider what I heard and saw. A throne had been placed right there in the middle of the third heaven, and there was one seated on the throne. And he who was seated was in appearance like a jasper stone. That's the stone God designated as Benjamin's, the last of the brothers, the youngest of the brothers, and the favorite, by the way, of his dad. And a sardius, that's Reuben's stone. He was the second of the boys. I like to compare him to a baseball team. You have the, him, he's batting, batting second in the order. And encircling the throne, there was a ring of light, which was like an emerald. Now that is Judah's stone. Judah was the fourth of the boys. And that's from where Christ came, tribe of Judah. He batted clean up. All of which portrayed Christ at the right side of the Father as the son of David. A very Jewish scene. And, and we'll see why it's a Jewish scene in just a minute. And encircling the throne, there were 24 thrones. And upon the 24 thrones were 24 elders sitting as rulers. They were clothed in white garments, and upon their heads were golden crowns. The elders represented the saints of the church age, all decked out in their uniforms of glory, proudly wearing their crowns, which had earlier been awarded at the Bema, the reward seat for Christians 
after the rapture. And out from the throne proceeded lightnings and voices and thunders, a picture of the power and sovereignty of God. There were seven blazing torches burning before the throne. These are the seven spirits of God, a representation of the presence of God the Holy Spirit. Okay, now for verse 6, And before the throne there was, as it were, a glassy sea like crystal, a picture of peace and stability that only an omnipotent God can bring. And in the midst of the thrones, encircling the central throne, there were four angels full of eyes in front and in back. The first angel was like a lion, and the second like a calf, and the third had a face like that of a man. The fourth angel was like an eagle, flying in, in each of the angels, had six wings, and even their wings were full of eyes, and they rested neither day nor night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, to the Omnipotent One, the Christ, who was and who is and who is coming. And when these are those beasts give glory and honor, and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. And this they did continually. The four and twenty elders fall down before him who sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. David, let's uh, go on with chapter 5. Get one more chapter in today. Alrighty, here we go. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1. And there sitting on the throne was God the Father, and in his right hand was a scroll. There was writing on both sides of the scroll. The scroll itself was sealed by seven wax seals. And I saw a large angel fly by landing near the throne. The size and strength of the angel was impressive. He stood beside the Father's throne and shouted with a loud voice and in an urgent tone, Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is able to break its seals? Sadly, there was nothing but silence in heaven, as what we call today crickets. There was found no one able either in heaven or earth or under the earth that was no one with sufficient power. Nor was there found either angel or man who would even approach to look at the scroll. I began to weep audibly openly and profusely, because no one was found worthy. And one of the church-age saints said to me, Stop weeping, a man weeping. Stop weeping and consider this. There is one from the lion tribe, the tribe of Judah, the son of David, who by his victory on the cross has earned the privilege. He and he alone can open the scroll, scroll and break its seven seals. And it was then that I saw a diminutive lamb, the young lamb, looked as if it had been slain. The lamb was in the center of the throne room, surrounded 
by the four special angels and the church-age saints. The Lamb had seven horns, representing his perfect kingdom, which was purchased by his perfect work. The Lamb had seven eyes, representing the Holy Spirit sent into the world to assist and glorify him. Jesus Christ, as the Lamb of God, boldly approached the throne and took the scroll out of, his right, out of the right hand of God the Father, who was seated on the throne. And when Christ, as the rejuvenated Lamb, took the scroll, the four living beings, four special angels, fell down upon the Lamb, each raptured believer of the church age was holding a harp, and a golden bowl full of incense, which represented the prayers of all God's children. And the church age saints sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seven seals, because as the Lamb of God, you died spiritually to redeem mankind. Those availing themselves of his redemption came out from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign with him upon the earth. And I saw and heard the voice of many angels who encircled the Father's throne, the four special angels and church-age saints, the number of the four angels, the saints and the flying angels were too numerous to count. They exclaimed in unison with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. By his victory on the cross he has earned the right to rule, and to him be riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory. And every created being in the heavens and on the earth and under the earth and upon the sea and all the things that are in them were heard to exclaim, To him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb be the eulogy and the honor and the glory and the power. And the four living beings repeatedly cried out, Amen, 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 and Amen. And the church age saints fell down and worshiped the Christ who lives forever and ever. Good place to stop, isn't it? Yes, David, and if we ever needed a reason to pray, there it is. Get those prayers up there. That'll okay. close us out for today. If there's anyone with their, the sound of our voice who is without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we ask you at this time, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Pastor Merritt, could you close us out? There is no other way to be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth upon him. So right now, wherever you are, whatever you might be doing, just simply tell God the Father. He's there with you, listening. He's never not there. So all you've got to do is just simply tell him, I am believing on God the Son and on the promise of the word you will be saved. With that said, David Lee Hammond. Until next time. Out. There you go. So long.